Hello, and welcome to the Working Tools Masonic Podcast, where today will be part two of our conversation with Most Worshipful Brother Chris Kaufman, Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of Washington. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our opinions and thoughts are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions, either here on YouTube or on our Facebook page. We'd also appreciate a thumbs up and especially any comments on our videos. Thank you for joining us on the Working Tools Podcast. I'm very worshipful brother Matt Apple, the, and Dave, very worshipful brother David Colbeth and I are Masons here in the state of Washington, and we are joined by our other usual host, worshipful brother David, excuse me, Stephen Chung, who is a Mason up in the Grand Lodge of British Columbia in the Yukon. And today, our very special guest is Most Worshipful Brother Chris Coffin, who's the Grand Master of the Most Worshipful Grand Lodge of Free and Accepted Masons of Washington. Most worshipful sir, thank you for coming out this evening. Well, thank you for having me. So, so we uh, we left off our, our previous episode with a brief discussion of your pin for the year, and uh, I see that you've changed your background there, so would you mind uh, discussing that one real quick? Uh, that is uh, the pin that my wife had designed, uh, as I said earlier, uh, in the earlier episode. Um, she was an optician, and so glasses were very important, and she loved that wine green i don't know why uh but she really liked it she liked the for, uh, forget-me-nots so uh we put those in the corners and uh it just seemed to fit her very well and so uh, uh even though you no know, she died in the car accident there six months ago um we ordered them anyway and um from what i hear from people that i've sent them out to her pins go faster than mine so <laughs> what can i say <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I, our fourth host who's not here this evening, I, uh, Connor, I sent him a, a, one of your pins and, and one of the ladies' pins as well for, a, for his collection. So he's, they're even making their way up to BC already. Good. Yeah. So we, we know that you're the Grandmaster. We um, um, saw your cool pin, but who really is Chris Kaufman? Hi, what's your Masonic background, you know, like? Ah. Uh, that goes way. Uh, my Masonic background, uh, probably. Way back. Well, no, it, it does. It really does. Um, my father was a very active Mason, very well known in the state of Washington. Um, my grandfather uh, was a Mason, uh, very active uh, in Phoenix Lodge in Sumner till he moved to Everett, uh, and then my great grandfather uh, was one of the charter members in Phoenix Lodge, so we've had four generations there. On my mother's side, uh, her father, my grandfather, was a uh, past master of a lodge in um, Wyoming, uh, in Midwest Wyoming, a little small town, you might have heard of it, or uh, you've probably heard of Teapot Dome scandal. Well, Teapot Dome was just outside of Midwest. Uh, 
you know, literally. Uh, so uh, that's where the scandal was. And his father was a master mason in uh, uh, Nebraska. I am fairly certain that one of my grand, great grand, great great grandfathers was probably a master mason. I haven't gone back and looked, but yeah, it's been in the family for a long time. Uh, I also was, uh, I was in Boy Scouts for a while. And then uh, I love telling the story. Uh, the Scoutmaster's son, uh, I had saved my money for a long time, and I'd finally bought myself a 10 speed swim bike. Now, this is 1964. Okay. Uh, so it was a long time ago, guys. Well before any of you were probably even born. Uh, so I bought this bike, and I saved up all my money, and the Scoutmaster's son, said he wanted to ride it and uh, took off with never brought it back stole my bike <laughs> i finally caught up with him at one point um and he wouldn't get off of it so um my right fist uh, hit his nose and there was a little bit of blood all over his shirt and stuff now uh, the scout master told me i would never become an eagle scout and i said i would never come back to a, a scout meeting and joined the MLA. Turned out to be a great choice on my part. I got to be master counselor in my chapter. I served as a state master counselor in Hawaii. Um, yeah. Uh, so my Masonic career goes way back. I didn't join Masonry, though, until about 26 years, 27 years ago, right after we finally recognized Prince Hall. thought that was very important from, from my perspective, very important. Um, it also happened to be the same year that my dad became master of his lodge for the first time. So uh, when he got installed, I handed him a petition as we were walking down the stairs. He almost didn't serve because he almost fell down the stairs. And if you <laughs> temple up there in Lake City, Yancey, his temple, those stairs went down like three flights, and it was steep. He almost went down all the way. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And so, yeah. Nice. How come you? How come you waited so long to join? Because I waited for uh, Washington to recognize Prince Hall. Ah, yeah. Um, I remembered stories. Um, the the open air that's at Grand Falls was done by my home lodge, my dad's lodge. Uh, when they first did it, he was a tyler in the woods because they wouldn't let. There was no women's program. And they closed the whole place off, and they had like 25 tithers in the woods to keep people away. Uh, we don't do that anymore. Uh, but uh, he told me a story about a guy who was a mason from Spain who uh, was black and was coming there, and people wouldn't come to the open air because he was there. And I said, no, this is wrong. I'm not going to, you know. And th this was uh, in the early 60s. Or mid 60s so uh i waited because i wanted to wait until they actually recognized prince hall well good for you good for you that's nice to hear yeah it, it was interesting i i didn't realize i remember it was a district meeting or or some meeting that uh bill most worship bill miller was on he was talking that the grand lodge of washington was actually one of the first to attempt to recognize and in the 1800s or early 1900s and but then was overturned in the grant at grand annual communication uh and then never got brought it back up again until was it 80s sometime in the 80s wasn't it 
it, it came up in the 80s and it wasn't finally done until mid 90s or, or early 90s somewhere in that area but yeah not to get off topic but steve do you guys have prince hall lodges up in up in a uh, bc um no we just uh they're part of our lodges we don't have a separation at all yeah, we don't we don't separate either necessarily. It's just the Prince Hall has chosen to have a, a set, their own Grand Lodge in Washington, oh. and so so the the reason <clears> that, <throat> and Grandmaster, correct me if I'm wrong too, but the my understanding was that the the fundamental purpose of a Grand Lodge in a jurisdiction and to be recognized under the regular regular Grand Lodges, you can only recognize a single Grand Lodge. But Washington and m most or all now, I think all of the Grand Lodges have recognized Prince Hall as a regular Grand Lodge and so they allow for two Grand Lodges in the jurisdictions. There's still, as I understand it, there's actually in Washington I think two other Grand Lodges but we don't recognize them because they're not regular. Yeah, well, no, they don't exist. No. <laughs> I don't know anything about uh, yeah, generally, uh, The general rule in the United States is that there's only geographically only one Grand Lodge unless the original one approves joint jurisdiction in that area. And the difference between our Prince Hall and uh, others is it's Prince Hall of Washington and jurisdiction. They have lodges that are in, in Japan uh, and other areas all around the world that are under our Prince Hall. Grand Lodge. I think Hawaii is in our Prince Hall, isn't it? Uh, I don't remember, to be I honest. Think, I think I think Hawaii and Alaska. It's it's a it's a significant base. Well, Alaska is separate. They have their own. Is it okay? Grand Lodge, yeah. Uh, I met their Grand Master. He's only served there for. Well, last time I was up there, he had been serving as their Grand uh, the Prince Hall Grand Master for like fourteen years. We would like to get Most Worshipful Lester on our show, but and I've, I've tried a few Brack channels. So if maybe in, in, in open public, if I can uh, lean on your uh, prudence to assist us in opening that channel, we'd love to have him on the show. And uh, he's a great guy. He was involved. We just had uh, Manitou watch put on a uh, presentation of masonry and racism. And uh, Lester was there along with uh, part of the panel were uh, members of the Prince Hall Grand Lodge, as well as, our Grand Lodge. Uh, it was very interesting. And, and yeah, it was a great show. Lester was there. And so, Hi. so back to our, our current guest. Um, oh, so Chris, you, you uh, joined what, 25 years ago, you said? Yeah, 25, 27 years uh, ago. And, and have you branched out? What have you done since you joined? Well, uh, I've served as master of my lodge here. I, I joined in uh, Seattle. That's where my home lodge is. It's now Shoreline Lodge. It was Howard Lake at the time, uh, but then they merged and that changed the name and whatever. It's now Shoreline, uh, which is why, uh, which meets where my DMLA chapter met, which is kind of ironic in a way. Um, so I, I was a member there. I joined the lodge here in Tacoma because it's a whole lot closer um, and uh, became master there 97, 98. One of those years, I can't remember. Uh, it was a long, yeah, a long time ago, uh, 97, 98. Um, and then I served as deputy grand master right after that uh, uh, for Bill Wood and Dick McCarty. Uh, 
interesting experience. Um, and then I've been on the Grand Lodge team. I was on uh, the trial committee for or grievance and appeals for a couple of years, joint member of uh, the code commission. So when we rewrote the code, I was on that. Uh, then I joined the jurisprudence committee. I was there for 12 years. Uh, um, at one point, everybody, uh, it was typically has been one lawyer and four past grandmasters. Typically. Uh, I was the lawyer, and the other four past grandmasters, I had been on their uh, jurisprudence committee when they served as grandmaster. <laughs> so I was, you know, uh, so I, I did a lot of that. Uh, my sister also was uh, very active and still is very active in Eastern Star. And uh, after my dad passed away, I ended up being her escort when she was worthy grand matron. Uh, so uh, I'm still a member of Eastern Star. I have not joined York Rite. I didn't join Scotty's Rite. I haven't joined Shrine. I haven't joined Amaranth. Um, and I don't plan on joining any of anytime soon because I just don't have time. I can hear the petitions coming in. The, they're yeah. flying towards you right now. Yeah. You know, I, it's nothing against any of those organizations. It's just I don't have time to do it, and I'm not going to join just to say I joined. Right. Just right. So, uh, well, that's that's also good to hear because I'm a firm believer if you don't have time to commit to doing it right and doing it well, then why should you join? And, um, uh, you know, I mean, I was like you. I found DMLA at 14, but I didn't join Lodge until 1999 uh, because I didn't want to be a joiner who just joined to for the sake of joining and couldn't participate, right? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't mind joiners too much in that, uh, as long as you're clear with them, what, what, you know, you don't join saying I'm going to be part of things. And then you know, I tell the guys like at Scottish Rise, Hey, I, I can't come because DMLA night is on the same night as your meeting. Uh, so I can't, I've, I've never actually, I've, I did go to one, <laughs> one meeting, uh, was, I think what, just before COVID happened, I was able to attend one meeting because Malay or something was happening. And, and also I did get wrangled into the temple board over at Scottish Rite. But, uh, yeah, I, I, what I am frustrated about is guys that join and then you never see them in Blue Lodge and they just, they disappear. And is, is the Concordant group, whatever it is, Scottish Rite, York Rite, Shrine, Eastern Star. Any, any of them. Is that really more important? How, like you said, how, they can't even meet without a mason in most cases. So is that really more important, most important or more important than the Blue Lodge? And I, I think Blue is Blue Lodge. Is, you got to dance with the one that brung you is what I always say. Yeah. True that. So I, pre I appreciate your, your involvement. My mentor, Most Worship Al Jorgensen, is a great example in that even though he's involved in all those things, he always is part of Blue Lodge. He's always doing something Blue Lodge. And so I, I appreciate commend you for making your commitment Blue Lodge. Thank you. You know, and I very much support Shriners Hospitals. Fabulous organization. In fact, that's one of our white charities for the year is the Shriners Hospital in Spokane. Uh, and then the Seattle King County Free Health Clinic. They put on their vision program uh, every year at Seattle Center. Uh, Lynn coordinated the vision program for several years. And uh, it was very important, both of us. And so, uh, yeah. Didn't you say in your in your presentation there was over a thousand, like twelve hundred some glasses that were given out last year? Uh, this last year, uh, they 
uh, got free eye exams and free glasses for 1,100 people and almost 100 more who needed cataract or glaucoma treatment got free treatment for them. Awesome. It came from all over the place, and I don't remember the exact number, uh, but it's like 150, 200 separate zip codes. So it's not just Seattle, King County. There are people coming from Snohomish, from Pierce, from Kitsap, on the peninsula, everywhere coming over to get that service. Uh, it's just a really major effort. And, uh, so uh, that was, was very, I, like it was, I said it was very important to Lynn, very important to me. So we're splitting between us two. And when you really think about it, guys, if you're active in Blue Lodge, right? then you're going to naturally be supporting all those other bodies anyways because those guys are going to come to Blue Lodge to sell their tickets and, and uh, things like that, right? That's and so, you know, if you're active, you can buy all that stuff there. Yeah, that's right. They'll get you one way or the other. <laughs> right? Well, I, I appreciate the focus on vision and, and eyes in particular. Uh, I'm, I'm a member of Lions Club <clears throat> as well, and that was – my dad was a charter member of his his club, Lions Club in Wisconsin. I'm a charter member of my club here in Bonnie Lake, and and of course, vision is a key component to Lions Clubs. And so, uh, it was really really hit home with me your message about and Lynn's message about vision and uh, visualizing the future, and also the helping with the vision programs. And uh, so, it's it's really important. I really appreciate that. Thank you. You you mentioned too at the beginning of your your presentation there was i missed the first one with washington sonic charities was part of the focus and then there was another yeah group okay uh what i wanted to do with you know woody list last year challenged everybody to donate 40 bucks okay i and he didn't want to have a tie and stuff i have a tie and i have pins and coins and all that other stuff. but if i can get people to donate 40 bucks to washington sonic charities i want that split between their endowment fund, so it keeps paying for charitable work forever, and uh, the uh, student success are uh, on the level student success program, which helps unaccompanied kid, uh, high school kids get through high school. You know whether they need you know whatever they need in order to keep going to school. They need uh, you know Paris shoes so they can play basketball right. whatever it may be you know they can help with that and that's what that program's for and these are unaccompanied kids you know, they're the old orphans that we used to support that's what i like we've had ken and washington charities on a couple of times as well as byron and uh, their message about how taking like you said the unaccompanied children and and wrapping our arms around them as the orphans of today which essentially that's what they are uh, and it doesn't mean that, you know, they may have parents, of course, somewhere, but nobody's taking care of them and they may not have grandparents or aunts and uncles or whatever. They're just couch surfing or whatever. It's some, sometimes in cars and it's, it's unfortunate. It's very sad to hear some of the numbers that he talks about. Yeah, it is. And, you know, if we can help those kids all the better, you know, uh, Fairweather Lodge actually uh, gave their scholarship, uh, lodge scholarship to kids who graduated high school were part of that program. And then one of them uh, ended up going to Western in Bellingham. And they hooked him up with the lodge there in Bellingham. So the lodge is making sure that guys 
what he needs while he's up there not trying to go to school, make it on his own. And give the guy a lot of credit, but, you know, we're trying to help him too. And, you know, uh, kids who graduate from high school have a much lower rate of criminal records and being a burden on society than those who don't. <laughs> you know, so we well, they, get through all the better. They learn that they can uh, achieve that goal of, of getting through high school. And if they can do that, then they can, uh, it, it empowers them to, yeah. to strive for other goals, right? That's so. true. You know, and they have a better chance to make it in life, you know. Well, you know, I mean, here I was when I was a kid. Uh, I knew that all I had to do was go to grade 10 to, so that I'd go to trade school. And, a, you know, a trade would give me a, a, a good living, right? And, you know, but when I, you know, got too old, couldn't do the trade anymore and, and needed to find that job, well, gee, if you didn't have a high school diploma, you didn't, you didn't even get looked at, right? So, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad there's programs like that that really support the youth uh, in, in doing that, especially the ones that are by themselves, right? Yeah. That's so, so important to help, you know. Very worthy goal. Very worthy goal. Thank you. So, just before we uh, before we wrap up here for the uh, the second uh, episode here, I was curious how you. This is probably a loaded question because I mean, you're not going to say it's terrible, but uh, how well you and the your likely successors in the Grand Line are working together. Are you? Are you? Um, you talked about long-range planning in the last episode. Are you uh, are formulating a, a consistent vision for the, the next five, four years, five years? Or is it a um, – do you foresee things going more this way and that way, or how does that working out? I, I uh, We haven't um, developed a, a specific long-range planning where they're consistent, but – uh, I am fairly certain, you know, based on our conversation, I mean, each one of us, you know, I got, you know, remember the past, visualize the future. What Cameron's theme may be, maybe something will, it's going to be something different. He can borrow mine if he wants, but I don't think he's going to, um, you know, and there are differences of opinion on some things. Generally, we're been aligned when we're dealing with issues. And so I anticipate that will continue. Um, like I said, you know, I didn't have a new program other than I want you to fix the committee structure, Matt. And, uh, you know, um, the long-range planning, uh, David's going to make sure every lodge has got one. Um, uh, other than that, you know, uh, I didn't really ask for anything different. Just do what we have been doing and actually use what we have. Uh, so uh, I think Cameron's pretty much the same uh, vein uh, Ed is uh, Steve. I'm still working on him. Like you yeah. said, we can we can probably give him a long range plan, but they got to use it. That's true. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's sort of like that communication method we talked about last time. You know, it's well, you, you know, there's a, a thing called testimonials. You know, find some lodges that have done well with things like the six step program, the mentorship programs, the all the different programs that are out there. And, uh, and maybe get them to hold an education on a Zoom thing or uh, talk about how they made it work um, and, and share the success stories. Because 
<clears throat> that's that you know that's really what it takes is you know like Barry Birch had mentioned uh, you know the successful practices uh, the be best practices uh, link on our website um, you know those people there have all volunteered to be contactable and, and uh, to give a little guidance you know uh, uh, things like the text messaging program we do and and so on it's all there uh, and like you say most worshipful people just have to use it and um, I think that if uh, if we can you know just poke them a little bit you know and especially the ones that you know are re are retired or you know are not working right now because of COVID, they have a little extra time. They could put some planning into opening up these files. You know, we we were so amazed at the content of education material in the um, uh, mentorship program that was given to us by our Grand Lodge. You know, unfortunately, you know the really uh, how we we felt so bad that we had all that material for six years before we even opened that file right we we opened we got we got going with the six-step program and, and we never opened the rest of the files right <laughs> you know so six years gone down the tubes uh because we didn't know but now we know it and uh uh you know working with what we have it, it's there it works yeah you know and that we've got that stuff um we will be doing uh more things sort of like the uh two hour one i did a couple of weeks ago um uh, we'll be doing some more of those um i know that uh we had to cancel our long uh lodge leadership retreat former wardens conference um because no we just couldn't put it on i mean there's no way we uh, it was going to work um so we canceled it but uh jeremy and the committee is going to be doing some uh, surveys uh, with brothers to see which ones of those classes they would like to see and then we're going to put a few of those out uh, so that people can just uh, join in and uh, using probably zoom or another platform so it looks like we're, we're headed to the end of our, our second half hour here uh, so first of all on behalf of, of David and Steven uh, uh, Steven yes apparently I can't say your name tonight that's <laughs> uh, all right David and Stephen, I'd like to, to thank you for being here, sir. And I guess just, uh, is there anything else you'd like to to say to put the cherry on the top of today's session? I would like everybody to be safe, do your social distancing, wear your mask when you get out in public, do what the health authorities are telling us. And uh, we're all looking forward to meeting together uh, as brothers on the level. And when we can, we will, but we're not going to do it any faster than the health and welfare of our brothers will permit. Here. Well, thank you again, Grandmaster, and thank you for tuning in to the Working Tools Masonic Podcast. Good night. Good night, all.